We interrupt this previously scheduled broadcast to bring you an urgent message through the TCC Emergency Broadcasting System. Please stand by. My fellow Earthlings, looking across the vastness of space, the final frontier, we wonder, are their minds far superior to our own, looking down on us as persons or prey? As one might study bacteria as it squirms and multiplies in a drop of water. Billions and billions of stars and how many planets? Is it an awful lot of wasted space or does it teem with life? Are the skies silent or do we hear the echoes of distant societies going about their business? Are they ignorant of our existence? Or might they be coming as I speak? Are they here right now? Ask yourself, is the clock ticking towards first contact? Or has it already happened? What can we make of 150 UFO sightings every single day around our planet? 90% of these are fully explainable by natural and man-made events. But the final 10% leave us with questions we may not want answered. Once again, we have abducted Amazon.com top 50 best-selling author Gary Bates. And he will comply with our request to tell us what is going on. His book, Alien Intrusion, has defined the great struggle of our age and calls this generation to action. We can no longer close our eyes and cover our ears as the invasion continues. There have been many lost and the numbers continue to grow daily. Are you at risk? Do you know someone who is? It's time to start. And this message is just in from the field. Hey! It's pandemonium on the streets! There's something in the sky! We need some help down here! Good evening, folks. My name is Chris, and we're out here on the streets of downtown Kitchener, and we are speaking with... Graham Dunton. Graham. All right. Uh, so, we're a Spiritual Speakers Corner broadcast and podcast, and right now we're running a show on aliens. All right? So, do you, yourself, believe in aliens? I don't not believe in them. Oh, you do not believe in them? Okay. I don't Why? Not believe in them. I, I, I have theories, but uh, I don't have any solid evidence, let's say. But I don't believe they don't exist. I could say, I'd say that they're probably out there somewhere, but 
you know, like they'd know what better than to come here. We're blowing ourselves up. Why would they come and get a risk that, you know? Everybody's an alien. So if there are such things as aliens, okay. where do you believe they came from? Arizona. <laughs> Arizona? Arizona's a good guess. Uh, so you think Arizona? <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. why do you think that? Like, I'm just, I'm just trying to pick your brain a bit here. Have, have you ever been to Arizona? No, I actually haven't been. I just, I know the Grand Canyon's there and a couple things like that. Well, see, there you go. How'd that get there? Oh, that, we could get into that, but we're, we're going to stick on the topic of, of aliens here. So, do you think that we should be spending money on researching aliens? No. Uh, I think that if they want to come out of Arizona and talk to us, they can. But that's their prerogative. They know where we're at. I mean, abductions and stuff, they clearly know things about us. So they'll probably come out when time's ready. Okay, interesting. So how do you recognize, like, extraterrestrial or aliens? How do you, how do you recognize them? Well, I'd imagine you couldn't. Uh, they'd probably have, like, adapted or, you know, took on form of, like, us to blend in. But more or less, I think, uh, just behaviorally. They probably act a little bit differently than us, walk a little differently, stuff like that. Okay. Okay. So, so they're seeing, okay, rational people okay. who have actually, or, or claim, I should say, claim to have been abducted by aliens. What Once do you, people, yeah, what, what do you make of that? Uh, I could buy it. Like, I think because of how outlandishly crazy it is, it's a little bit more plausible to be happening. I mean, what would you do if you were an alien? Go to and just land and start talking to people, or would you abduct them, give them a crazy story that no one would believe to keep the mystery? Okay, interesting. Okay, interesting. So this is where the research gets a little strange, mm. all right? And, and perhaps spiritual. Okay. All right? Like I said, we're a spiritual speaker's corner broadcast and podcast. So, right, right. So, so just uh, roll with me here. Secular researcher John Keel. Okay. He's, he's not not linked to any religion, but he's just a, a secular researcher, John Keel, okay. links UFOs to the occult or, or supernatural influence. Okay. All right, he, he wrote, and I quote, the devil and his demons can, according to the literature, manifest themselves in almost any form and can physically in, imitate anything from angels to horrifying monsters with like glowing eyes. What do you think about that? Do you think that's possible? Yeah, I'd say. I mean, I couldn't agree that supernatural alien stuff could be linked to the supernatural only because it's all stuff we can't explain, right? So it's, it's sort of like an easy answer at, at, uh, at that, but that's kind of a generalization, I'd feel. I'd, I'd say that you could see it that way, especially if you're of a religious type. Um... But I still think that it's more or less just a matter of perception, like what you believe personally. Okay, okay. All right, so um, you just made a statement that you believe they're from out of this world. Yeah. And before you had said they're from Arizona, I'm just trying to, like, I'm ah. making sure. We're, I'm just, there's a little bit of a contradiction there. Oh, they came there. to Arizona. They oh, they, okay, they, they came live there. That's where they're hiding out. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so, so my question I'm trying to get at, where do you think they came from? Okay, I'm not going to be i'm no astrologist so i don't really know where or or per se but i'm gonna guess around there like that general area um ah, 
I, I had the name of it too. There was like some planet name that we're that comes by every once in a while. I'm just gonna say Omicron Persei Eight for the sake of it, because that just that just seems to be a good name for it. But as far so as think- place, it's it's I'm gonna say like 50 million like like light years away. 50 million light years away. Yeah, okay. At least. All right. Okay. So um, UFOlogy expert Gary Bates. I don't know if you ever heard of him. But, um, just just finish the sentence for me. But he says that you can halt the, you can halt any alien alien abduction in the name of blank. What would you say to that? Uh, sweet zombie Jesus. Oh, sweet zombie Jesus. zombie Jesus. The 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 last part I think he got got right. In oh, the really? name of Jesus Christ, he really? would say that, but not sweet zombie. But he would say in the name of Jesus Christ. So Interesting. What? Do you think? Oh, I'm just. I'm asking. Do you think they really care about the in betweens? Do you think if you just yell Jesus, they'll okay. sort of be taken aback? Okay. Well, actually, people people have done that, and yes. They, really? they haven't been taken back. Hi, this is Corey, and sitting in the studio with me again is Gary Bates of Creation Ministries International. And uh, thanks again for taking the time to join us, Gary. My pleasure. Well, by way of intro, in case you didn't catch last week's show, Gary's not only the head of ministry for the Australian office of CMI, he's also a specialist in the subject of UFO phenomenon and associated extraterrestrial beliefs. In fact, he's the author of the highly acclaimed Amazon.com top 50 bestseller, Alien Intrusion, which is the subject of this series of TCC Radio. Now, Gary, I remember hearing you speak on the subject in person at a conference about, I think it was about three years ago now, and you shared a fascinating session on the possibility of life on other planets. Now, I know there's an entire chapter of your book dedicated to answering that question, and I was sort of hoping that you could educate me and our listeners on that question today would that would that be possible could you let us know about that sure well let's uh, have a look at the the basic premise of uh, why people are interested in life on other planets Uh, i mentioned in the first session if we looked at the earth uh, the earth is replete with life lots of different complex living organisms and there are only two views as to how life got here either it was created or it evolved or it evolved right and so when we look out into this enormous universe, as vast as, and as amazing as it is, uh, the presumption is, well, if there is life out there, either it was created or it evolved. Now, I think from the creation point of view, there are very, very good, solid biblical reasons why God did not create sentient, intelligent, moral decision-making you know, life like you and I. Uh, elsewhere and uh, if you want me I can address that a little bit later on but let's look at the evolutionary concepts Um, because evolution occurred on the earth it must have occurred elsewhere in this universe particularly if you believe there was a big bang about 14 billion years ago and uh, because mankind is only a recent uh, visitor if you like or a recent uh, product of evolution on the earth so they believe in about the last 150,000 years and that's just a dot on the landscape when you're talking 14 billion years. Right. Okay. So they believe that life may have evolved elsewhere. It might be older. If it's older, it's more advanced technologically, and that's how come they can build spaceships and flit around the universe in their faster-than-light you know, spacecraft, right. supposedly. Which we'll get to in the next episode. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But let's have a, just have a look at the physical evidence. So there are two belief systems at work. So there is a belief system in evolution that says, uh, if we extrapolate that, it must have occurred elsewhere. Now, I wrote in my book, we write in the very first chapter, uh, in the first uh, section of this chapter, 
uh, about something called Fermi's paradox. Fermi's paradox basically says it it it, it does the numbers. It number crunches. It basically says, okay, let's presume life on Earth and let's extrapolate this to once every so often. And if it was once every so often, given the amount of the size we know of the universe. You know, in effect, he basically said there should be so many alien races out there that we would be tripping over each other. Okay? okay it's interesting. Okay. Now, that doesn't happen. And the Fermi's paradox is something that's well-established, well-known by scientists. Its arguments are, are very re- reasonable and valid. So there's a major problem. Hmm. Why aren't there alien races all over the place? Why aren't we all sort of seeing, seeing them uh, just about everywhere we look? The simple fact is when we look at the Earth, the Earth looks to be very special. Uh, you can crunch the numbers there and say what would be the chances of of life occurring by chance and the Earth being in the right position and uh, and the solar system being in the right position and even the Milky Way being in the right position. The numbers are almost innumerable. See, we look at the Earth and scientists or astronomers describe the Earth as being in what's called the Goldilocks zone. For example, uh, for life to occur on the Earth, we're in just the right distance from our sun. If we were much closer to our sun, we'd all fry. If we're much further away, we'd freeze. Life would not be able to exist on the Earth. And then we not only look at uh, where the Earth is in relation to the sun, we look at where our solar system is within the Milky Way galaxy and our sun. And we are on this outer two-thirds. And if we're much closer to the center, we'd be all fried by cosmic radiation from the galactic central bulge. If we were too farther away we wouldn't have this lovely view of the other stars in our own uh, galaxy and also other galaxies in the universe. So there are lots of um, good examples of uh, the anthropic principle this is known as. I'll give you another example, our moon. Our moon is retreating away from the Earth just a few centimetres every year. Now, if there was a big bang and uh, 14 billion years ago and they believe that the age of the Earth and the moon is about 4.5 billion years, but even a million years ago, the moon would have been so close to the Earth that life would have been impossible here. In fact, we only because need... blocking out the sun? No, no, it's uh, gravity is the problem. Oh, was that right? Yeah, okay. because just okay. imagine if, uh, if the moon was much closer to the Earth than it is now, we'd actually have these enormous tides that would wash up on the shore, hundreds of kilometers up on the shore every day, and retreat every day. That wouldn't be much good, right? No, no, maybe <laughs> and it, for surfers, but that's about it. Yeah, and if it was much further away, we wouldn't have tides. And if we didn't have tides, our oceans would not be able to be, be cleaned. And most of our oxygen, believe it or not, is not produced by forests. It's actually produced by the oceans. So we, so we wouldn't ha- even have any life existing on the Earth. So the moon plays a very special function in life on the Earth. And the moon has to be the perfect distance hmm from the Earth, for example. Now, there's about 120 examples that scientists use uh, in something called the anthropic principle. And the anthropic principle basically says that the universe looks like it's been designed specifically for human life on Earth. Not just the solar system, the universe looks like it's been designed specifically for human this life on Earth. This is the anthropic principle. Anthropic okay. principle. People can Google it, look it up, and they'll see, okay. they'll see what I'm saying. We'll uh, post that. For all you listening, we'll post that on tccradio.com in the reference sources so you can check that out for yourself. Go ahead, sure. Yeah. Now, if your presupposition says, hang on, we're all here by chance, then the anthropic principle is a bit of a problem because it talks about special design, obviously, which is consistent, I believe, with the notion of a biblical creator, the supernatural God of the Bible. So one of the ways they get out of that, So, and before I say this, let me just say that the presupposition 
plays the major part. In other words, you already believe something to be true before you ever look at the evidence. So if you already believe that we are the result of chance random processes over billions of years, you and I just a cosmic accident, then you will interpret the evidence. Even though it looks like the universe has been designed, you've got to have an explanation to say, well, it actually isn't. Right. So what they say is, for example, uh, we are just one of many universes that has ever that have, have ever existed. So in the past, there's been a big bang and a big crunch, a big bang and a big crunch, and it's just gone on and no, an evolution never got going. But in the particular universe you and I exist in, the dice of evolution just happened to fall in the right number, life got going, and that's why you're here to ask the question in the first place, why does it look like the universe has been designed? So what I'm it's hearing you say chance. is that this anthropic principle is taught in school. It's taught. Is it taught in, at university level as well? Yeah. But what they will do is they will explain it from a uh, an evolution evolutionary perspective, in the sense that that the randomness of evolution it's sort of it's sort of the uh, the dice have rolled in our favor. Is that? Yep. Wow. Yep. Once once in however many billions of universes that have existed in the past. So. All these universes are being created now, say, Big Bang, Big Crunch, life didn't get going. But in this particular one, just those first chemicals had, you know, formed the first amino acids, formed the first proteins in a warm pond on Earth billions of years ago, and life got going. And that's and that's because life is now here. That's why we're questioning, why are we here? And correct me if I'm wrong, but you wouldn't be talking just one favorable exchange there. You'd be talking billions of things that had to line up so perfectly for us to house. I mean, you've just described the, the distance from the sun. You've described uh, the, the atmospheric conditions, all these things. There would have to be an awful lot of favorable randomness, almost off the chart statistically. Is that true? Absolutely. Okay. Okay. We've, we've, got, uh, you know, we've got a beautiful ozone layer that protects us from um, you know, ultraviolet radiation. We're protected by gamma radiation, by the magnetic field of the Earth, which is just the right strength to protect us from that. There are so many examples uh, that, you know, even even trying to line up four or five to work as a result of chance random processes is in the order of billions to mm, one. Okay. So you're talking about getting 120 of these lined up, you know, the the uh, the, the chances of it happening by, by chance altogether are really innumerable. And obviously these conditions are not seen in other planets, like in terms of, in terms of, the possibility of uh, of life on other planets. Yeah. The planets just aren't housing those kind of conditions no. for. No. Okay. Well, we do. We, we've investigated our own solar system, obviously, and that's very, very harsh and inhospitable, except for the Earth. And that's you should tell you how come the Earth got going in such an inhospitable uh, region mm. of space. Mm. But scientists now have found things called extrasolar planets, which they believe are planets outside of our solar system. So again, they got very excited by that, thinking, wow, it's not just our solar system. Now there are, we're seeing uh, you know, other planets revolving around other suns in our, own, in our own Milky Way. So therefore, hey, you know, the chances that we might find life is increasing. But here's the problem. One is that we really don't know that they're actually planets that they're finding. We can't look in a telescope and see a rocky planet you know, orbiting Zeta, Zeta Reticuli or the Pleiades or something like that. They're only presumed to be there by mathematical observation. Okay. Uh, I'll give you an example. For example, uh, in our own solar system, um, Jupiter, because Jupiter is the largest planet in our solar system, its mass is so great that it actually causes our sun to wobble. Hmm. The gravitational okay. effect on our sun causes our sun to wobble off-center. So if we haven't, hadn't seen Jupiter, if you like, with our own eyes, we would presume something to exist because of the gravitational effect on our sun. 
So they can look at these other distant suns, and for example, they can see gravitational wobbles. Okay, but here's the problem. The mass of the presumed planet has to be so big to cause the wobble that life would be impossible. Life would be impossible on Jupiter. You'd have six times the gravity as you do on the Earth. You and I couldn't walk, for example. Mm. The gravity is so strong, we'd be a blob on the surface of the planet. crush whatever. That's okay. right. Okay. So, okay. so you're talking about planets that are causing these wobbles in distant suns that are up to 200 times the size of Jupiter. Wow. Okay. So now there's another method they use called the transit method. And this is where the object, presumably being a, a planet, actually moves across the face of their nearby star or sun. And it causes the output of light from that, that sun to dim. Again, so they presume something to be there. But it, the problem is, once again, that they're so big that life would be impossible. So one explanation is they might not actually be planets at all, that they might be small uh, brown dwarf stars or something like that. In other words, suns that are much smaller than our own. We don't know. But even if they were planets, the ones that we found so, so far are so big or where they have found some that they think are reasonably sized uh, due to the size of the wobble, that they're so close to their sun, a bit like Mercury and Venus, that life would be impossible there also. So even though we're discovering these things even beyond our own solar system, the more that we look, the point I'm making is the more that life appears to be special here mm. on the Earth in our own solar system. The more we discover, it's not increasing the chances of finding extraterrestrial life, it's actually decreasing the chances for extraterrestrial life. The more and more we look out there, the Earth looks to be unique. And the Bible says that. It says that God, talking about God, he created the Earth not in vain, he created it to be inhabited. It specifically says that. Why should we be surprised that we see life on Earth? The Bible says God created the Earth to be inhabited. Now, second aspect, when we talk about this whole area of the UFO phen phenomenon, whenever we see you know, UFO sightings, whenever we hear about these strange encounters and we see things in the sky, they're always centered on the Earth. Do you know there's about mm. 150 UFO sightings every day? Now, over 90%... Every day? Every day. Wow, okay. Uh, but over 90% of them can always be explained by naturalistic or man-made objects. For example, you know, we mistake satellites for you know, alien spaceships or something like that. By the way, I should say, what is a UFO? A UFO, by definition, is just an unidentified flying object. But in the modern vernacular, because of the influences of science fiction and the media and this whole concept that, hey, there must be life out there, when we say UFO, we immediately think, hey, it's an alien spaceship with people from another planet on board, right? Right, right. But, um, yeah, so 150 sightings every day. We mistake things like satellites for UFOs. Um, the most common mistaken sighting, believe it or not, is the planet Venus. How do we interpret the planet Venus as a, as a UFO? Well, because it's average people. It's lay people looking up, seeing something that they don't understand. And because of the cultural conditioning, they immediately go, oh, wow, a UFO. Now, let me explain this by contrast. Can you imagine 150 years ago? There's, there's no motor cars, <laughs> mm -hmm. there's, there's no aeroplanes, there's no airships. So man's never seen that type of technology. He's never seen a science fiction movie either. So, you know, a farmer's in his field one night and, you know, he's herding his cattle and he sees some strange lights moving across the sky as if they've been guided intelligently. Now, how do you think he would interpret something like that, given that he's never understood that technology? He might say, well, you know, maybe I need a, to get some glasses or... Uh, Maybe it's a trick of the starlight or it's an illusion 
or maybe it's an angel or a demon or something like that because people were more religiously inclined those days. So he would not automatically assume anything otherworldly. Right. He's had Wasn't no even inf- in his thinking. Not, yep. not been influenced by those right. thoughts. Right. But today, take the same scenario. There's a farmer out in his field putting his cows to bed and he sees these strange lights moving around and he looks up and he goes, oh, I wonder, that might be a UFO. UFO. Mm-hmm. See? So that's how people interpret that information. So uh, now when I said 150 every day, 90% can be explained. We've never, ever seen them enter our atmosphere from outside. Whenever they appear, they always appear as if they're already here. Wow. So they're emanating from our earth or within our dimensions or they're focused on the earth. Mm. Um, they've been seen to change shape. They've been seen to morph into one another. Uh, so they don't act like nuts and bolts material. American Air Force pilots have been up in a shot at them. We've seen them on radar and they've suddenly disappeared from view. And um, you know, we'll talk about this more in uh, later sessions. Right. But, but it's interesting that the leading ufologists, non-Christian people, have started to understand that it's very, very difficult for these craft to be able to get here from distant galaxies or distant planets because of the, you know, the uh, the travel distance problems and the speed of light problems, etc. So it's interesting, you know, when we look out, it looks increasingly hostile, and the more that we look at the Earth, the more that it looks unique. And when it comes to this UFO phenomenon, only seems to be occurring on the Earth as well. Mm-hmm. Well, is there life on other planets? We would say no. We welcome your opinion. You can uh, you can get in touch with us uh, by emailing us at connect at tccradio.com. And uh, we've still got two weeks left with Gary Bates of Creation Ministries International. But before we go, stop. Don't, don't tune us out just yet, because here's the most important truth of the entire show. Will you be with God in heaven? The Bible says that the price of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So how many times have you sinned? How many times have you lied, lusted, stolen, hated, and used God's name in vain? Because every time you have, you've sinned against holy God, alienating yourself from Him. Even your thinking is against Him. You will face the second death, which is eternity in the lake of fire. But Jesus Christ paid for sins, taking them and God's wrath against sinners upon himself. He shed his blood and died on the cross in place of sinners. And then he rose from the grave, defeating sin and death, just as the scriptures foretold that he would. To be reconciled to God, you must repent and trust that Jesus died for your sins. Your sins will be forgiven. God will grant you eternal life, and you will spend forever with God in heaven. Isn't that good news? You've just been in the studio with TCC Radio. Please visit tccradio.com for resources and full-length street interviews related to this series. On behalf of the entire team here at TCC, thanks again for listening and for keeping the cross current in our culture. Hi, I'm Corey McKenna, president of the Cross Current. Will you help hear H-E-A-R at home with us? Thanks to ministry partners like you, we were able to send me into the field full-time on July 1st, but to equip more Christians online and to engage more non-Christians on air, we need your support. To learn how to pray, give, and go with us, visit helphere.ca. 
That's H-E-L-P, H-E-A-R dot C-A. We thank God for you and your partnership in His gospel.